for myself personally, you know, with, with clients and prospective clients, I, I share my deepest, darkest days when I was broke and broken. This allows people to see me as a real person, as a normal person. It gives me credibility because, you know, I'm just like them, right? And this is, this is really what, what makes people relatable. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I'm bringing you another solo episode. But first, man, how about that episode or those episodes with Tim Ferriss, the past two episodes, episodes 246 and 247? If you haven't listened to them, man, they are just, uh, they're gold. They're gold as far as, uh, as far as I'm concerned. They were, Tim really helped to break down his thinking and his operations, like how he functions, his framework. I love frameworks for thinking through challenges, whether the challenge is relationships or business or just how to be productive or how to live your life or how to get clarity on a challenge that you're facing. He has these frameworks and really uh, adds to the frameworks that I've developed and I've discovered over the years and just adding these to my repertoire has been really helpful. And I've listened to Tim Ferriss for years read his books, but this just added another whole layer of frameworks to really just a foundational framework for thinking through things. I love the absurd questions and asymmetric bets and, um, you know, short duration, low cost experiments, things like this are just ways to live, right? Things to add to your life. So anyway, check that out. Uh, Those episodes out, the last two episodes, or you can go and just grab the cliff notes. uh, Just grab the action plans. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action, and you can get your very own action plans and um, just get the PDFs from those episodes, the best of those episodes, as well as you'll get access to all my episodes actually there too. So jimharshawjr.com slash action. Um, I hope you're doing well wherever you are, uh, whenever you're listening to this. I'm listening to this uh, during the COVID-19 crisis, or I'm recording this during the COVID-19 crisis. And you may be sometime off in the future. Uh, maybe maybe there's uh, flying cars, you know, by the time you're listening to this. I don't know. Uh, regardless, it's going to be very relevant to you then, or if you're listening to this immediately after I recorded it. But I do hope that you know, regardless of when you're when you're listening to this, uh, one thing that's very relevant is core habits. Focusing on core habits, and and the three core habits that really just come up most with my clients, my coaching clients, are are sleep, exercise, and nutrition. Like if you can nail two of those three, you are going to make everything else easier in your life, right? When you're trying to be productive or you're trying to be focused, you're trying to be present with your family or friends or um, trying to achieve something else meaningful. Um, if you can nail two out of those three, uh, that you're, you're going to be doing pretty darn good. So any of the, you know, we can layer on, you know, eight or 10 other habits, but these core habits are so important. Anyway, I actually talk about that more in episode 167, if you want to dive into core habits. But what I want to talk about today is the fact that we all want something from other people, right? And I'm recording this episode assuming that your intentions are good. If you're an evil person, if you're like Dr. Evil, then uh, you have to forego this episode. But I'm assuming that your intentions are good because a lot of what I'm going to share with you is a superpower. And it can be used for good or it could be used for evil. 
I'm going to give you a handful of tactics. Don't try to implement all of these, especially not right away. I want you to pick and choose. Kind of like actually referring back to episode 246, the first uh, part of the interview with Tim Ferriss. He talked about, you know, if you're trying to layer on everybody's, uh, all these these morning routines of all these people, these world-class performers, you're going to be doing your morning routine until four in the afternoon. Well, it's the same here, right? Don't try to, to take all of these tactics and implement them right away. Pick and choose, pick one, pick two, maybe three, implement them, and then come back and try some more. And you can always come back and grab the action plan. And, and because I'm going to have all of these in the action plan, uh, just, just the same place where you go to get the other action plans, just jimharshawjr.com slash action. But let's dive in here. So I've got eight tactics I'm going to share with you. And some of these are going to be new for you. And some of them aren't. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know that uh, number Eight, the final one that I'm going to share is going to be new for, for most people. This is a really great tactic. But let's start, take it from the top here. Number one, okay, how to get what you want from other people. Number one, I want you to imagine that you have that thing from that person, whatever it is, right? The raise from your boss, uh, acceptance into some social group, whatever it is that you want, you know, the, the uh, uh, approval of some application, whatever it is that you want, I want you to visualize it. I want you to see it. I want you to imagine that it already happened. Because when you do that, things, you know, some people talk about sort of God or the universe starting to move things uh, in your favor, Right? And I believe that. I believe in God. Uh, and I believe that, um, uh, I believe in the verse Matthew eleven twenty four, 24, uh, where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And, and so there's that factor. But there's also the factor of just whenever you actually believe that you have something, that something already happened, and you visualize it, right? Whether it's winning the Olympic gold medal or anything else in athletics or anything in business or anything in your personal life, if you believe that you already have it and you start operating like that, then you start doing the things that you would have to do in order to get it or to be that person now, right? To be that person who has the thing. And so it changes the words that come out of your mouth, it changes the tone of voice. It might change your body language. It changes your confidence. It changes the phone call that you might make or the phone call that you might you know, not procrastinate on, right? Or the email that you want to send that you know you have to send to get that thing moving. It, it just changes your action, right? It's the difference between, and you may have heard this before, but I think most people haven't. Um, it's the difference between do be, have, which is the way most people operate. They try to do the thing and then they will have the thing and then they will be the person, right? They try to do whatever they have to do, right? Uh, whenever I was competing as, as a wrestler, I was trying to do everything I could, running more miles and lifting weights and watching film and training and rehabbing injuries so that I could have the award and recognition that I wanted and then I could be the person, and then I would finally be that person that I wanted to be, that tough, disciplined wrestler. Well, I had it backwards. You don't do and then have the thing, and then you'll be that person. You have to be that person first. Be, 
If you be that person first by visualizing, then you will do the things that you need to do and the, the words will come out right, the, the tone of voice that you use, you know, the athletic sense, it's like the training, it's like you'll stop hitting the snooze button when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m., right? And then you'll have the thing at the end. Have comes last. Be the person first. So that's what visualize is all about, right? And, and whenever you're trying to get something from somebody, it's the same. Okay, so number two. So number one was visualize. Number two is this. So often, let me give you an example right now. A good friend of mine, he may be listening right now, called me recently and he says, Jim, be real vague here, but he said, I'm trying to get somebody to do something, right? He wanted something from somebody. And his goal was to have a meeting with this individual and tell them all the reasons why they should do what he thinks is right, right? All the reasons why. Here's, here's the boom, 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 10 bullet points. Here's why, here's why, here's why, here's why, here's why. And I told him, I said, nah, let me give you a different way to think about this. I said, get him talking. I said, ask him questions. I said, don't go in with a hammer and, and tell you the, the five or the, tell him the five or the 10 ways that they, reasons why they should do what you think they should do. I said, ask questions, have probing questions. Ask them why. Ask them what's important to them. And when you do that, you get them talking. And when you get them talking, you can frame your side of the conversation around what's most important to them. Oh, you say that blank is very important to you. Oh, well then, you know what? Actually, this, this choice would be your best option because of these three reasons. You know, whenever you have them do the talking and they come up with these ideas and then, and then you reflect those back to them. And I'm going to talk about that too in a moment. You have more information. When you are listening and asking questions, you are, you are doing your research. Don't try to guess what's important to them. Do your research. Ask them questions. Let them do the talking. And when you do that kind of listening, they will feel heard and they will also tell you exactly what you need to do to get what you want. And this is sales 101. Listen, I mean, I really, all of, all of these things, whether you read a sales book or a parenting book or a business book or how to, how to pitch your venture to venture capitalists, your business to venture capitalists, it's, it's all the same thing. Get them talking, right? Do the listening. Find out what's, what's motivating them and frame your side of the conversation around that. So get them talking. And listen, people love to feel heard. Everybody wants to feel heard. Everybody wants to talk about themselves, right? They don't want to be talked at. They want to talk about themselves. And when they talk about themselves, they feel heard. And you can confirm that they were heard. And by reinforcing what they told you, and then you can frame your argument, your your part of the conversation around exactly what they're saying. So that's number two. Listen, number three, friend of mine, his son, he's here in Charlottesville, Virginia, and his son grew up always wanting to play basketball for the University of Virginia. And he got to high school, became a really good high school basketball player, but he didn't get to, uh, he wasn't recruited by UVA. He wanted to play basketball for UVA, didn't get recruited by UVA, applied to UVA, got accepted, went to UVA, but he didn't you know, he didn't get recruited, but he tried out for the team when he got there, didn't make the team, but he said, you know what? 
maybe I'll try it out for the next best thing. Maybe I'll, I'll try to be a team manager. And it's a competitive role. It's a competitive job to get. But he got it. And you don't get paid for this. I mean, you're wiping up sweat off the floor. You're handing out water bottles. But, but he did it. And he dedicated himself to this. He dedicated himself to that role. Did everything he could as a team manager to be the best team manager he could. He lived by the team culture and, and, and the team rules. And he, he just embodied everything that that program is about. And after two years of this, after giving everything he had, he finally, um, well, it was the night before the home opener, a home opening basketball game at John Paul Jones Arena. And the coach comes up to him and says, uh, hey, listen, you've been really dedicating yourself to in this role. And I know you've, you have this dream of playing for, for UVA basketball. I'm going to give you a shot. Tomorrow night, you're going to dress for the game. And he couldn't believe it, right? He gets to dress and be on the bench for a game. Uh, This is a dream come true for him. And it was before the game that next day, coach said, hey, listen, if it's a blowout, we may even put you in at the end. And he was stoked. And so Grant, uh, before the game, he remember looking at him. His name's Grant Kersey. And Grant had a... uh, had an oversized jersey on. They didn't even have the right size jersey for him. It, it just said Virginia across the back. It didn't even have his name on the back. They didn't have time to, to put his name on it. But he didn't care. He's playing, right? He's on, the, he's on the bench. End of the game, he gets to play a couple minutes. Doesn't get to take a shot, but he gets to play. Pretty cool. Same thing happens the next game. Actually, let me back up and say, after the game was over, the media, you know, Tony Bennett, the head basketball coach, is in the press conference, and they're saying, you know, the media is asking, like, Who, who's this guy? Like, wh- who's the guy you put in? Like, you know, doesn't even have his name on the back of his jersey. What, what the heck is this all about? He says, that's, uh, that's Grant Kersey. He said, he's our team manager, and that guy has given everything he possibly could give to this program, and he deserved a shot, so I gave him a shot. And so Grant becomes this sort of, like, local mini-celebrity amongst, uh, amongst the UVA faithful. Next game comes, he gets, he gets to play a couple junk minutes again at the end. Um, but the third game, he gets to play again. And it's, again, it's at the end of the game. It's a blowout. Well, Grant gets the ball. He's at the three-point line. And he's ready to pull the trigger. And everybody just held their breath. Oh, my goodness. Grant Kersey, the team manager, is about to take his first shot of his career as a college basketball player for UVA was ranked, I don't know, top five in the country at that time, right? He's playing for a top five, one of the best college basketball programs in the country. He's about to take a shot. He pulls up and nails a three-pointer. The place goes berserk. The everybody in the stands, you know, in the in the in the arena, they're just they're on their feet and cheering. His teammates, I mean, his teammates just went bonkers. I mean, they're jumping, they're swinging their towels, they're cheering them. It was like the coolest moment, right? But why? Why was everybody so stoked that the team manager made a shot? Like, was he a superstar player? No. Was he highly recruited? No. They were so stoked for this kid to make a shot because he served. Because he gave to this program, because he played a role. And it was a behind the scenes role, but he served with his heart. And that's how he got what he wanted. He wanted a shot to play for the University of Virginia. He got it. That's how you get what you want from other people. You serve, you find a way to give, you find a way to care from your heart. Not because you expect anything in return. Because if you do it trying to get that thing, it sounds backwards, it sounds ironic, but you're not going to get it. 
But if you do it from your heart, if you serve from your heart, you'll be surprised at what comes your way. And that's what happened for Grant. He didn't, he didn't serve and do his job because he was, he's like, no, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get a shot. No, of course not. Maybe I'll be one of the you know, sports center top 10 plays of the day, which he was. Uh, if I serve, no, he wasn't thinking that, but he served and he cared. So that's number three, serve. All right, number four. There's a man by the name of Donald Dell. Donald Dell, uh, he was an international tennis player. As a matter of fact, he's in the International Tennis Hall of Fame. He's a superstar tennis player back in his day. And then after a successful career as an athlete, he became a, a sports agent. He was actually one of the first ever sports agents. And he signed names like Arthur Ashe, Michael Jordan, right? You heard of those names. Um, and then he, so he was you know, one of the best ever at that, right? Second thing, he was one of the best ever at. And then uh, he started getting into sports like like negotiation deals of like things like uh, negotiating f- the FedEx field for the Washington where the Washington Redskins play he negotiated that deal uh, he's he's negotiated over one billion dollars in deals and so he's one of the best at that right so three things that he's done he's one of the best ever at all three now he became a law school professor at UVA uh, later in his career, and he was always always end his um, his classes by saying, "Listen, uh, some of you you know are going to graduate, some of you won't. Some of you came to class, some of you didn't. Some of you learned, some of you didn't. But I can guarantee, I can guarantee your success if you just follow these five words. And I don't know about you, but when I hear somebody like that speak, I I, I perk up. I'm going to listen. And he says five words that will guarantee your success. Are you ready? Now, I'm talking to you, the listener, like, are you ready to hear these five words and are you ready to actually live by them? That's my question because they're simple. They're five words that will guarantee your success. Are you ready? Build relationships and develop trust. Build relationships and develop trust. Build relationships. Listen, if you're listening to this during COVID-19 like, and you're in sales, like, you, you, you can't sell very well right now, Right? I mean, depending on the industry, it's a little different, but like, it's kind of hard to sell right now. Certainly in the industry I was in, in fundraising prior to this, like you, you can't go fundraise very successfully right now, but what can you do? What can you do? You can build relationships. You can reach out. You can check with people. You can check in on them, see how they're doing, right? Don't always reach out for the sale. Don't always reach out because you want something. Develop trust. How do you do that? You follow through and do what you say you were going to do. You make good decisions. If you make a bad decision, you apologize. That's how you build relationships and develop trust. That never goes out of style. You want to get something, build relationships and develop trust. All right, that's number four. Number five, good friend of mine, Steve Garland. He's the head wrestling coach at UVA. Holy cow, I'm talking about Virginia a lot in this episode. Do you think I like love that institution or something? But um, uh, so Steve Garland, he was my teammate at University of Virginia. He was a NCAA run, national runner-up wrestler, good friend. Uh, I was in his wedding. He was in mine. Anyway, super guy. He's this guy who like everybody instantly loves Steve. Everybody, Steve comes walking in the room. One of my, one of my buddies put it this way. He said, he said, when Steve walks in the room, everybody's heart rate goes up 10 beats per minute. <laughs> I think that's the best description of him. He's high energy and he's one of the best in the country at what he does, right? As a, as a, as a college wrestling coach and, uh, and when he was competing. But everybody loves Steve. And by the way, I by the way, I interviewed Steve back in episode sixty-seven. So uh, just go back to sixty-seven. You can you can check out my interview with Steve. But um, why does everybody love him? Why does everybody love Steve? Steve says what others are thinking. 
I mean, Steve has no filter and he just lets it out, right? I mean, sometimes you kind of cringe, but you love the guy because a lot of times he says what others are thinking and he certainly says what's on his mind and he shares, he's vulnerable. I mean, he will tell you some stories about his life and, and he's, he's, he's got some pretty, pretty rough stories in his life. And he shares some of those in that episode 67, but, but he shares these stories and, and I will, and I, I challenge you this. If you listen to that episode, I want you to pay attention to how you feel about this guy when you first start listening to the end of the episode. Because what he does is he is authentic and vulnerable. I want you to sense, take a, just a, a reading in your, of, your, of your heart and your gut about this guy. If your respect goes up or down because of his authenticity and his vulnerability. And I, see, I think what you're going to find is that when you share... And when you hear other people share, they're authentic and they're genuine and they're vulnerable. Your respect goes up, not down. You will gain, not lose credibility and respect by being vulnerable. You know, for for myself personally, you know, with with clients and prospective clients, I, I share my deepest, darkest days when I was broke and broken. This allows people to see me as a real person, as a normal person. It gives me credibility because... You know, I'm just like them, right? And this is, this is really what, what makes people relatable, right? This is what you, you think about people who you're closest with, who you're close friends with. It's usually people who you've, you've shared some, some hard times with, right? Because you go, okay, yeah, I, I've seen them when they were down. I've seen them, you know, in the dirt. And, and when you have that knowledge of somebody, your respect for them goes up. Your, your relationship is stronger, so I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to that if you do listen to that episode. But that's number five, be vulnerable, authentic, and genuine. All right, number six, there are few things that people want more than feeling understood. And so I talked earlier about listening. This is the next step to that. Not just listen, I want you to reflect back to them, Okay. Let them know that you're hearing them, okay? So, the, so number six is reflect, okay? You can say to somebody, so you're feeling blank. So you told me that you're struggling with blank. Oftentimes, that's all you have to say, and then they'll continue the conversation. But when you reflect somebody's feelings back to them, they feel heard. So it's not just about listening, like we talked about in number two, but number six being reflecting, reflecting back to people, what they're saying, and even if you can read between the lines and ask them, so are you saying this or are you saying that? And that gives them a chance to go, ah, this person is tuned into me because they're reflecting back to me and they're thinking about what I'm saying and they're giving me the chance to clarify, right? So that's number six, reflect, reflect back to people. It's a powerful tactic that you can use. All right, number seven, people want to be consistent with what they say. They want to be congruent. Like, have you ever said something and then, I want you to really be honest with yourself here. Have you ever said something and then you realize that you were wrong, but you wanted to be consistent, so you kind of defended your stupid position anyway, right? You ever notice that? We've all done it. Right? And sometimes we're just not conscious of it, right? A lot of times, like, with, I'll catch myself doing that with my wife, Allie. I'll say something, 
and she'll say something, you know, she'll challenge it. And somewhere deep in my unconscious mind, I know that she's right. But my first response is like to defend my idiotic, stupid, incorrect position that I took, right? Because we want to be congruent. But you'll notice that. You'll notice that. So I want you to be aware, be mindful, be aware of, of when you have conversations and catch yourself doing that. And sometimes just you'll notice it afterwards. But people want to be consistent. People want to be congruent. So as you're listening to people and as you're reflecting back to them, you can use words that they use. So you said you feel blank, right? And you said that you want blank, right? So, okay, so you number one, you listen. Number two, you reflect back. And now you can say, well, if that's the case, then you could blank or shouldn't you blank? Like use their words, okay? You, you feel blank and you said blank. Well, therefore, this is probably the right course of action, right? You know, if you're, if you're trying to get more resources for your department at work, right? You know, a new hire or more funding or more whatever. Okay. You, you might sound like this, you know, you said that you want to increase productivity here, right? And you said that you want to produce, go from producing 75 widgets a day to a hundred widgets a day, Right. And if we can do that, it's going to increase our bottom line by $500,000, right? Well, if we, yes, they, they get them saying yes, right? They're saying yes, yes. Well, then shouldn't we invest $100,000 in a new hire? Or shouldn't we invest X amount of dollars? Shouldn't we invest a, a half a million dollars uh, one time? into this piece of equipment that's going to help us, you know, increase output and drive half a million dollars of revenue per quarter. And it's going to pay for itself in one quarter. Wouldn't this be a smart investment, right? You said you wanted to increase productivity. You said you wanted to increase output. You said you wanted to, to maximize the bottom line. Would this, would this be a good investment? And it's going to be hard for them to say no, right? Well, uh, well, uh, no, because and it's like, well, they'd be going back on what they said. So you're using their words against them. Now listen, for good. This is a superpower. Use this for good. Um, a friend of mine, Matt Neese, he's a realtor in Charlottesville here, Charlottesville, Virginia. He recently told me this. He was actually a, a trainer for uh, our youth wrestling program. And he was a trainer at the University of Virginia. And then we hired him for our youth wrestling program to kind of you know, watch practice and just be there in case any of the little guys got hurt. Little guys and girls, I should say. Um, and he told me recently, he said he, he said he remembered when I told a bunch of youth wrestlers that they are responsible for using their wrestling superpower for good, not evil. Because I'm like, yeah, you can, you can take this move and, and go home and beat up on your, your little sister or, or your big brother or whatever. Uh, or you could be a bully at school with this stuff. I mean, you could, right? I mean, this is a superpower I'm giving you. I'm teaching you how to, to dominate another human being physically. Right? You have the responsibility to use this for good, right? And it's the same thing with everything I've given you so far. So I've given you seven points. Here's my last one. Identify what people believe and that is false, okay? So, you know, you're again using this, this situation with your boss. You said 
that there's not enough money in the budget, right? You know, I felt that way too. But I realized this is I'm kind of this is kind of reading it, you know, putting some words in between the lines here. Uh, I felt that way too, but I was mistaken. I was wrong. I had a false belief. Okay. You said there's not enough money in the budget. And I felt that way too. Then I saw the return on investment that our competitor was getting or that this other department had. This is called identifying false beliefs and helping them have an epiphany. And this is, this is straight out of the book of Russell Brunson. And Russell Brunson's a, a well, matter of fact, he was a, a guest on the podcast. He is one of the top entrepreneurs on planet Earth right now and top marketers. And I uh, interviewed Russell in episode 50-50. But in his books, he talks about this, identifying false beliefs, right? You're, you're trying to get something from somebody. And somebody says, well, there's not enough money in the budget. Well, actually, that's a false belief. You're right. There may be, you say not enough. This is a revenue producing machine. Uh, listen, I felt that way too. And then I saw our competitor. Then I saw another department. Then I saw this as an opportunity. They're saying, oh, so you're saying, okay, so I can relate to you because you're saying I felt that way too. Right? Oh, okay. So this person felt the same way as me. And then they had this epiphany. Then I had this epiphany. Uh, our, our competitors or this other department invested in that and they got X result that we're trying to get. So your job is to help that person have that same epiphany and, and also sit on the same side of the table as them. Listen, I felt that way too. That puts you on the same side of the table, not on the opposite side, trying to sell them. You're going on the same side of the table as them. And listen, if this comes from the right place, from your heart, going back to serving, going back to build relationships and develop trust, going back to be, do, have, be the servant person first. Uh, be the person who, who has what you want. If you start with that, the words will come out right. If you start with, I just want something for me and it's mine, 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 then the words aren't going to come out right. But if you come from a servant's heart, if you start with being the person who has that thing already, if you start with the concept of building relationships, developing trust, the words will come out right. And your job is to help them, like I said, have that epiphany that you had because that's the right thing to do for the world, for the good of the world, for the good of the, the company, for the good of your relationship. So these are the eight tactics. If you want to learn how to apply these in your life, uh, you and I can jump on a free coaching call. I offer this as a one-time thing. Uh, JimHarshawJr.com slash apply. You can grab a time open on my calendar. Uh, my slots are limited. Um, there's a, a short questionnaire that you have to fill out. So it's, um, there's a, a little bit of an application process there. You, if you do want to claim some time, it's a 30-minute time slot. Uh, just go to jimharshajr.com slash apply. These are eight tactics that will help you get what you want. Number one, visualize. Number two, listen. Number three, serve. Number four, build relationships and develop trust. Number five, be vulnerable, authentic, and genuine. Number six, reflect. Number seven, consistency and congruence. Number eight, is identifying false beliefs and leading people to an epiphany. So listen, getting what you want can sound negative, but one, number one, if you're serving, that's a good thing. And number two, this can be used for evil. I trust that you'll use this for good. 
If you got value out of this, could you please give it a share? I updated my share page, by the way. If you go to jimharshardjr.com slash share, I updated those links so they work a little bit better in terms of sharing this episode on Twitter or on Facebook or on LinkedIn. It's kind of a pre-scripted. It just, the Twitter is actually pre-scripted. The Facebook and LinkedIn, you have to put in your own words, but I have some words that you can copy and paste there. And uh, super easy to share this. That is how this thing grows. I mean, it's really how podcasts grow. So if you could, that would be amazing payment for me if you got a, some value out of this that I would uh, appreciate you if you gave it a share uh, or a rating and review on iTunes. I know a lot of you have done that, so I'm so so appreciative of that. and uh, Or just give it to a friend. Pass it on to a friend. Uh, episode 248, episode 248 of the Success Through Failure podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. <laughs>